Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista, and now here's your host, Serena Bird. This podcast is brought to you by The Joyful Fashionista, an online marketplace for buying and selling secondhand and sustainable clothing. Make cash selling as you declutter or buy sustainable and fabulous fashion. Yuma Frugalistas and welcome. Today I have a special guest and of course all of my guests are special. Today's guest is an empath and she is coming to us all the way from LA. Susanna Galland is a British-born empath and internationally acclaimed life advisor who leads her clients to achieve breakthroughs in all aspects of their lives. Through conscious mindfulness, Susanna guides others on their journey to happiness and fulfillment. Susanna has written for publications including Huffington Post, Harper's Bazaar, Thrive Global and Medium. She has been featured in Forbes, Vogue, New York Magazine, USA Today and she's co-author of Goop's The Sex Issue. Susanna has appeared on the Today Show and is a frequent guidance expert on America's Next Top Model. So she's written and done some amazing things. Welcome, Susanna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. And especially we were talking about, before we started, for your listeners, all the things that can go wrong in any given day and how to deal with it. You know, we were just talking about our dependencies on our cultures and our technology. So I think this is a great show, especially talk about how we deal with stress, whether it's in our careers or with our love lives, especially because of your the years of your own passion and your own story and your book to help women, especially falling in love, dealing with love, and your incredible show that helps with so many areas nowadays that we're dealing with in survival. From I was listening to your real estate, talking to a realtor for investment, and how in today's world, especially now, levels of power have changed. So we're all yeah. it's all up for grabs, to, which is stressful and highly exciting. It has been unprecedented times, hasn't it? Like it's. Like especially in Australia, we had these almost apocalyptic uh, fires and they were just just crazy. Like where I live, we were, you know, covered it in toxic smoke for I think nearly three months or something crazy. And they were like, well, what next? And then we went straight from that into COVID and it's just crazy. Like every day we're kind of like, what next? What crazy new thing are we, we going to be dealing with? Well, I spoke to a couple of just got very good mates in Australia, being a Brit. And you had it a lot easier than us in the States because we didn't handle it right. We had a lot, half the country in quarantine and half not. And so it took so long to get everyone on the same page that we were a mess. We were just a big, fraught mess. I come to the conclusion, we're in new times. Why don't we just see it as new? Like the old doesn't work with how to cope with our day-to-day, like our businesses need to change, our lives need to change, and how we approach things needs to need to change. And if we don't put that into perspective, I think we're going to come up against uh, a lot of, not pressure, 
that brings in that ego that makes us feel like we're not cutting it, we're not doing well, we can't survive. We really need to keep an eye on that. And so I know I'm running with this, but it's so important. I'm like on a mission with this that the old days of, oh, well, it's just a job, I'll go to work as an employee and as a boss, oh, well, they I'm paying them, they need to work. Yeah, exactly. They're in debt and, you know, they've got a new car and so they'll be beholden to me for the rest of their life and it's all okay because there's a, a dangled promise of a promotion somewhere and who doesn't want that? Exactly. And it's up to the leaders, good leaders and good bosses and good partners to ask their employees and their partners, how are you? How are things? Because let's see what we can do. Take that time, even though it's a new muscle in your brain of thinking where it can be exhausting. You can start delegating that and make sure people are okay because everybody's going through something. And if you pretend that doesn't exist in your own life and in your own company, especially if you're running something, people will just leave. I mean, we have a mass exodus of people leaving jobs in America wanting to do their own thing even though the numbers show more jobs Mm -hmm. that's because of how they're treated yeah partly when you're valued you stay so I, I think the number one rule is home and family come first friends home family come first with value and if that's intact the rest can move forward a lot easier. I'm so glad you raised this. Back in 2019, where I quit my diplomatic career, on the surface, it was very glamorous and it was certainly well paid. However, it was quite a toxic environment. I think a lot of people thought I was mad. But now what I'm seeing three years on is that that's sort of almost become the new normal. People are going, well, I'm not happy where I am. It's affecting my mental health. It's affecting my relationship with my families. What good is money if it's having this ripple effect? Like, you know, at the end of the day, my career isn't going to save me if I'm not well. So, like, why do it? No, I mean, you said something. That's a very big step you took. Took a lot of courage because you had a title. And people get very addicted or Mm -hmm. dependent on titles. And I think if you look at what's going on in the world, I mean, the old days you used to respect the titled folk. They had precedent, whether they were judges or diplomats. But in today's world, we've got generations coming in that group together as people. It's we the people. It's family and real values and connection and community that are giving us resources and empowerment not necessarily the leaders out there. So I understand that you gave that up. And I also understand when someone says, well, yeah, I look good. I've got a great salary. I've got this power. But my kids won't talk to me. I'm practically losing my marriage. And, you know, with the pandemic ongoing, because we don't know what's coming in next. Yeah, we don't. Where do I want to be? How do I want to live my life? And I think it comes down to what's real, what's truth. 
what's raw truth. And so as an empath, how do you work with clients when they come to you with this sense that the pieces aren't quite fitting together the way that society tells them they should? Oh, that's such a powerful question. An empath is someone who feels, you understand, so I will feel, I'll get a sense of them and relax them. But if I let them run with how they feel the whole way through, it's going to be the most depressing time. <laughs> I, I mean, I could almost say, look, I've got a bottle of wine coming to you. Uh, let's just drink through this. You'll feel so much better. <laughs> I just don't think having them stay in feeling is necessarily advantageous to them. In fact, the number one rule is when you're in a really rough situation, don't trust your feelings. Wow. So for me, an empath is a sense. I get a sense of something that they desire, they need, what's really going on, just a sense. It's a higher conscious or a very high conscious feeling if you want to call it that, and redirect them towards that. But I pull them out of feeling because they're lousy, they're miserable, and they have every right to be. And once you've acknowledged that, it's my job and my mission to get them up and running or get them a really clear perspective. And that's where empathy comes in. Not only do you feel a sense of okay, wrong direction here for these guys, or they're not really happy in a miserable place, which is very obvious. Less what they're looking for is desire. And it's not just one desire. It's how many desires do we have in a day? There are many things we can do. It's getting them into a place where we could start to introduce practical, intuitive hits. So... Through this time period, my own intuitive abilities and my own sense of outcomes has changed. Everything has to be different now. It's not the same, oh, well, this feels okay, it'll be fine. It's serious conversation to make sure they can leave with something very tangible and actionable. Mm. which is about the best thing you can give someone. I find with myself when something's not right, I get very anxious and I tend to over-talk it and overshare it and I just get in that space. But the amount of times throughout my life and my career that people have said, I'll just have thicker skin, get over it, <laughs> has been quite amazing. And that tends to be the tendency, doesn't it? The people who aren't empaths and who don't have your ability just say to people, oh, but, you know, it's good, like just hang in there, just just learn to be thicker and not let it worry you so much. You know, when it comes to listening to people that give you a push off, you know, they're not interested or they're trying to be nice, like get it, get your act together, come on, you can do this. And you know you're in a mess and you know you're under pressure. From an empathetic perspective, they're overwhelmed too. So they don't want to be reminded and they're not the right people to deal with what you're going through. And so if you have a habit of talking a lot, you might ask yourself, <laughs> is it a waste of time talking to Jack over there? Probably. <laughs> you know, like cut it down to the folk that will listen to you that are, 
you know, even if they don't have an answer, they'll just, they make you feel better. They empower you. So I recommend that you change, again, new rules, new system now. I mean, A, it will help you talk less, and B, I think it will cut out this disappointment for you because you talk to the wrong person, you're even more miserable when you finish. I want to talk now about something that's obviously a passion for you, and that is dating and relationships, finding love. We've been talking about how this pandemic world has really just changed everything. I mean, particularly with so many long times in isolation, it's fine, I think, if you have someone significant or a family to wait it out with, but it must be so hard when you're single. Oh, I think it's horrible right now for single people. I mean, I have some of the most beautiful women call me and men. For women, it's harder because if they're in their late 30s, coming into their 40s or they're in their 40s, there's this big change of direction for them that says ticking clock, ticking clock, babies, babies, family. And they feel such a failure if they're not partnered, especially when they see everybody else partnered in their world. And they've gone online and there's burnout. And now there's this sort of, you're up against, sort of deviant behavior where a couple of women have called me and they've been dating guys who are very respectful, very polite, who aren't necessarily jumping on them, having sex, which, you know, early on, which on the one hand is respectful, then after a while you go, well, does he like me? Or does she like me? I'm sure there are women, I I don't want to knock men, but I only know this from women. So I'll talk from that experience. Mm-hmm. It's just there's a particular client of mine who was worried because he wasn't pursuing her sexually or intimately. But he was so sweet. He was so polite. And when they finally did become intimate, he had controlled her very badly because he had starved her of intimacy. So they become intimate. And she, whether she liked it or not, was irrelevant. She needed to feel desired. So by that moment, she had no sense of ego, no connection. And then a couple of weeks later, while he was ignoring her, he said, you're the first person I've had sex with ever. Oh, that's terrible. He then says he's into kinky sex, dominatrix. So this was a ploy to get her. And it took me ages. I met her at this point. It took me so long to get her back into soul, back into heart, and raise that intention of marriage or connection or long-term partner. Say it out aloud. Because she hadn't been admitting that or she hadn't been owning that. And I think that, you know, in the confusion has been, well, don't mention you want to, serious relationship, don't don't let anybody know. But this is what you're up against if you don't. You you leave yourself vulnerable. And she's now in therapy. Thank God I got her into therapy because she feels she can't sleep with anyone ever again because of what the damage this guy did, programming her mm-hmm. to prove she wanted to please him by having 
his kind of sex. And that's not hard. That's not marriage. That's not soul. Yeah, there's certainly, you know, my experience on the dating scene, having met my husband online five years ago, that resonates. I didn't get into any relationships where there was that degree of dysfunction. Well, I mean, everyone each has their own, right? So some people, that's what, what they like, but it wasn't what I was into. But certainly I was surprised by how much unusual stuff there was out there. I agree. In some cases, it's a real cry for help. Because if you're happy and, and you're in love, you, do, you don't need all of that. Well, but also just because online can be uncomfortable. Don't forget who you are. We've been on, on this planet for I don't know how long. And we come here with a soul-given gifts, packed with gifts and uh, opportunities to have everything we want. Do we get it? Not necessarily. But if you want a soulmate or you want a serious relationship, and there are many different soulmates you can attract, make it a mission. And, you know, if somebody doesn't show up, make it a mission. But don't let it prioritize your life because you're looking for results. Like focus on something that creates more passion, more happiness for you, more desire. And then start working with the dating world so that your intention is clear and you're coming from such a happy place anyway, that that energy is just going to attract that kind of energy to match it. But I, I recommend go online and then pull back. Go online, take, take a moment, pull back. Don't do it all the time. But if you want to find love, you'll find it. Like she stayed in too long. Mm -hmm. You know, unless you've done a, what is it, your abstinence or your celibacy oath and you're not connected with someone and after a while, leave. It's easier said than done, though. Yeah, I think we just, like, wake up. This is a different time. This is where empathy or compassion is misplaced. It is a different time. And I know I've got one single friend in particular and there's a guy who keeps sort of, coming into her life and he's done this twice now he comes in and then he ghosts her which is another big thing too I'm just surprised by how much ghosting is such a factor these days and he's done it twice and now he's reappeared and you know I don't know what to say to her as my friend because I know where this is going to go but it's almost like she can't help herself and you know she's obviously really lonely and he's showering her with lots of attention right but you say if she were to figure that out and say look I'm lonely and I like company, that's okay. But she's not. She wants more from him. And that's where she's already invested too much of herself. And it, again, I, I keep saying if you're investing too much and you're giving in a way that you're not receiving back, then there's the balance is off in today's world. It doesn't have to be the same. It doesn't have to be mirrored. People give in very pragmatic ways sometimes, but they're giving. It makes them feel good. The number one value is home and family. So for single people, have your friends 100% with you. Have your community reach out more, do more, give more. It will recharge you. It takes you out of that victimhood. But that's what you need now when you go back online. 
I don't care if your friends are married. They're perfectly fine and happy, some of them, to help you, really support you. Plenty of communities out there that will support. But, but this is a different time, so we have to go in with different rules. So for someone looking for a relationship, and you talked about the intention and being in a happy place, but I want to talk now about money and abundance. Now, how can you make sure that you attract someone who shares your money values? I was tempted almost to ask you how you manage to attract someone who is very wealthy, but you know maybe we can ask that as well. But certainly someone who shares the same money values, because this is one of the things I found, you know, having worked so many years to build up my own abundance, a lot of people I met or were reading their profiles of were not in a good financial space. And for the security of myself and my kids, I really didn't want to go backwards. Well, look, in in a new world where there's uncertainty, money is a very toxic issue for some and very exciting for others. So I think it's important to work on your own relationship with money before you go out and look for someone so that if you're feeling abundant and you're really working on that and you're not broke, (laughs) say, but you're struggling and you're worried about the pennies and you find wealthy men, they know when, people know when they're being used. Take a step back, like what's purposeful for you? Look at some of your own passion, look at your own life, get up, get yourself up. That's when you start dating. That's when you start looking for people who are abundant, not when you're broke and miserable. It's just going to backfire in today's world now. So I think we need to have more growth, personal growth in ourselves, much more confidence to see our lives bigger or feel more empowered, have those places work for us before we at least experience some abundance, even if your friends come over with dinners, wine, clothes, if you're like whatever it takes to just get you up. We need, that's what I'm saying, we need to have community. We need to start giving. If none of that is on the table, this is a different era. Yeah. Very wealthy men are worried about their money too. Just because they have money doesn't mean they don't worry about it. Yeah, and a lot of women, young women, are more concerned too about the men they meet. In Australia particularly, more young women are buying properties than young men. So there's more women who are coming to relationships where they already have their own unit or house and now they're becoming worried about what that means. So it is, it is quite a different, different world. That's really a lot of the conversation today where you have these amazing women, younger, because they're raised differently, or they're divorced and smarter and flipping homes, doing things different like that. Because it's women who are successful, they feel they have to dumb it down because they're intimidating. And that is like off. And then you have to ask yourself, why are women doing all this all over the planet? Why? Because they're getting that times are different. They're looking at their grandparents or parents going, uh-uh, not for me. Or their friends, or they've had such a rough time that the codependency has been more toxic for them than the person, that they are changing. And 
it's difficult if you're dating a man or a partner or a woman, whatever your thing, you know, who's not changing, who's not open, who's not invested in something they love doing or feeling their own prosperity. It's not going to work because all you've done is transferred the codependence from them onto you in the end. Whole brave new world of different things. Well, it doesn't mean that just because a woman isn't doing well, she can't date. She's just got to have a different conversation with herself where I am who I am and I'm not going to dumb it down. I can be thoughtful and sensitive, but if this partner is completely uninterested or is offended or intimidated by me, then he's not right. Mm. If, if I can't work with him, then how will we grow together when things go wrong or how will we walk through them? So I think these are just good lessons up front. So many relationships, you know, you see people being competitive rather than working together. And certainly in a past relationship, that's been my experience. And it seems so sad. Like, why would you compete with someone you're part of a family with? But it happens. Well, that's if you have an ego problem, a distorted ego. I mean, a lot of healthy people, I mean, often, you know, you've heard the old way of women loving. They'll make chicken soup for the guy who's sick. You know what I mean? They'll do everything. The truth is, I think when we really love someone, people will give you their hearts. They're worth the world. I mean, that's the feeling of falling in love. It's breathtaking and magnificent and it's not going away. It's just we're impatient. We give up. And because we're in a technological world now, that's the, a little bit of a what you call pain pressure where it just takes a little longer. Don't give up. Just And don't settle. Don't settle just for company. Unless you say to yourself, look, there isn't anybody out there. I like this guy. He's just, or girl, you know, whatever, just a relationship for right now. But I'm going to let them know this is, I'm not ready or I'm not going to take this further. So at least we're on the same page. That can be a hard conversation to have. Well, if you can't have that up front, then you're deceitful. That's what, I mean, that's where we get hurt when someone promises us one thing and bails, doesn't even try to work with us, hence the ghosting, and we think things are going well, and then we see them online dating other people. Mm. It's just so painful. So I think if the moment that happens, walk away. That's as painful as it is, phone your best friend. And I think married women listening or people who have partners listening, please be more available for your single folk. Just keep them on their, you know, grounded. Don't let them feel it's about them. That just because people aren't showing up, it's their fault. It's not. Just they need the inch to feel empowered to keep going. It is a weird thing, you know, when you are suddenly single, as I know I was, suddenly you get locked out of events, you know, like where everyone else is couples, they feel they can't invite you I don't know what that what that's about it's not like I'm going to steal someone else's husband or anything like that I mean I've now remarried but yeah it is a weird thing I don't know why we do those things where we don't include more single people Victorian times you know old-fashioned I think I should start writing about that change the rules there come on yeah I think with more of talking about 
uh, it's okay. I mean, being single walking around the streets is you're vulnerable, you know, if you know no self-defense. And a lot of women don't want to sit in restaurants on their own. I mean, I understand that. But going to people for dinner is great. I mean, even if people are coupled, you can maybe the uh, the host will allow you to invite a friend, or they may have another friend, or if not, say, "Listen, we're coupled, but I'd love to have you. Come along. You're still going to have fun." Like I think we need to new normal. We need to change those rules because that's uh, that's like. We're going back to 1800-something. It's just so, that's awful. Mm. I, I remember, like, in history, Henry VIII married his brother who died's wife. Like, yes. they used to kind of do that in those days, so you weren't alone, maybe. But we're not doing that in today's world. <laughs> Thank God a lot of people will say, yeah. Yeah, his first wife, and I think it was because she was quite powerful. So I think part of it too was wanting a powerful wife as well, although I don't know what his reasons were. It was very odd. But anyway, first of the sixth. So um, another question I have too is obviously about you know, your personal safety but also your financial safety while, da- while dating. Like how prevalent has online fraud become? I know when I was dating, it seemed that there was an awful lot of profiles of, say, widowed people serving in the military somewhere so they were conveniently overseas somewhere that wasn't accessible. They seemed to present quite nicely, but quite obviously there was a fraud. Once you'd, you'd sort of seen one, you could sort of pick them all. But how prevalent is this? And is this a real problem? Uh, it's pandemic problem. That's the thing with technology and the last three years. It's uh, every deviant, pervert, hacker, are all up for grabs because they can be hidden more. But we can check people out. Like, I recommend do not make any commitments, do not give any information because people are going to ask you, well, oh, they'll talk about a story about their CDs or their monies or to get it out of you. They kind of ask you, basically, if someone's asking you how much money do you have in your savings, or they come up with a drama in a very short time asking you they need help or can they borrow and they'll give it back. Walk away. I'm serious because just you and I right now, if we were cancel cancels, use your sister an example, alone. I have friends I could phone to ask to help me for money. I wouldn't want to, but I'd ask them. I don't need to ask someone I've just met dating or someone I'm dating in the first few months. So, so this, is abs- this is a big red flag. That's what I'm saying. I think as much as we might like them and they seduce us and we feel this is it, walk away. I mean, from giving and see how they respond, just say, you know, I, I can't right now. It's difficult. If it's someone who's a fraudulent, how will they respond if you say, I can't right now? They'll go, I totally understand, I would never, this was so hard for me, you're so special, I didn't need to do this, oh, I feel so terrible. And then try again. I asked my friend, no, 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 I didn't want to tell you, but they said no. You know, they they play, the, they play, they stop, they stop, they stop, they stop. So they, they keep you engaged all the time. Mm. Seems so sophisticated now. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
But there are enough online do's and don'ts to check that out. And I think if anybody with self-respect, let's just, you and I, I was just saying, would you, if you were just dating for two months, would you, or a few, you know, a few months, or it was new, would you ask them for money? Yeah, very good question. When I met my first husband, we were dating for 10 days. I'd known him for a while. We were language partners. I knew him. So we'd met at university and I was learning Mandarin, Chinese. He was from Taiwan. We were language partners and then I was on scholarship to Taiwan. And my scholarship money was very late coming in. I think it was like a month or two late coming in and I need to go to the doctors. I had a cold and I didn't have money. And I thought about asking him. For various reasons, it's always difficult for me to ask my parents for money. It's it's a long story. But I didn't want to because I felt that that was, it was too early in the relationship and it just didn't feel right. So I asked a friend at university instead. And then, of course, my scholarship money came through and I got a job and it was all fine. But yes, I did think about it now that I think about it. But I just sort of felt it, what, it didn't look right, even though it was only a very small amount and it was a, for a genuine purpose. Right. And you knew him. You knew him. So imagine you didn't know him. It just would feel really weird. Like for somebody who doesn't know you to ask you for money. Mm. Like if somebody knows you and they're your friend or you, they were, you were together and it's years later and they're in trouble and you can help them, help them. But this is a date. This is about sharing your future, your values, your heart, trust and growing, you know, personal growth and, oh, my God, feeling excited, falling in love and planning Italy and France and Paris maybe going to Paris and then Leon and all these places together. This is, and you'll know you're being played because they play the game. They're very good at this. So eventually if you say no, they walk away. And the other thing is don't let anybody new hustle around you to meet your friends so they become indispensable or help someone, someone too. Like let's say you have a friend who needs help with real estate, they'll go, oh, you know what, I have a friend, I can help them. Mm. You know, don't let them get involved with people around you so that you, everybody goes, oh, he's amazing. Like, be very, very careful. Well, yeah, I've been quite addicted to listening to some podcasts about some major sort of fraud in that activity. There was a guy called Hamish, Hamish McDonald, he had various different names. And then there was another female financial planner whose name momentarily escapes me, but she was huge. She went missing and eventually her foot was discovered in a national park and it's unclear whether oh she's dead God. or alive. But after she disappeared, it became very clear that she'd scammed millions, including from her best friend she'd known from high school, from her parents, from her brother, from a range of people. But yes, in all of these cases, it was really interesting because they not only ingratiated themselves with immediate people, but then they went for the grandparents or the friends or other people. So, and because there was a trusted relationship, they would just expand out. Terrible. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, even with independent women who are selling homes, say realtors, they meet people on their own. So the moment that you're gut, you get a gut sense, the moment that you feel you're being pushed, played, seduced, over-seduced, go back or get someone to come with you. Do not go out on your own. And that's the hardest thing to say, but 
And and the other thing that's sad for me to even talk like this is I'm such a romantic <laughs> that I the the glue, the thing that makes this world the happiest is love, is children, is families, is good friends, people, memories. It's that's what you take with you. So everyone is entitled, everyone is gifted the opportunity of finding a soulmate, uh, not like the number one, but a soulmate, someone who you can grow deeply with and trust. It's just look at how many problems or look how many times we get lost with the wrong person or we keep solving the wrong problem. And it just takes up years of your life. And then you wonder why you're lonely. That's why I'm saying, you know more now. You know, talk it through with a friend. Find somebody like me. You know, they can phone and I'm, I'll read that person, give them an answer. There are plenty of, find someone, don't sit on it. And it's expensive too. It's not only takes years. Now I have one final question, which is, do you have a frugalista tip to share? Now it seems almost down in the weeds to ask you this because we've been talking about the bigger issues like soulmates and so forth. But do you have some good money or abundance mindset advice to share? Yeah. All right. I've got a couple of things maybe. (laughs) Don't undervalue your passion because your passion is what the energy that drives you to the things you want. But I think while you're looking at abundance in today's world, ask yourself if you're running your own business or you want to start, how much money is, am I going to spend digitalizing this business? Because everything is online right now, pretty much. And can I make money out of this? And keep asking that question so that let's say the one thing you want to do isn't viable. There's, there may be another part of it that is. There may be another missing piece to the thing that you want. So that maybe it's, distributing something maybe it's creating events or happy hours with something but I think that allowing for abundance a number of passions is what gets you through it secondly uh, to keep abundance or build prosperity just keep mission focused don't let a hundred people call you in the day or get caught up with stuff that takes you off your game because that's so common now with the texts and the this and the that and the and and I, I know it's so hard with moms with kids. So that that that's that. And the other thing is, extreme stress makes us feel we're not abundant, and that's so not true because sometimes the stresses we have pull us up. We have to pull ourselves up, and we come up with an even better idea. So the moment you Feel yourself a little going into victim mode. Stick a load of desires on the wall. Stick them in front of you to know, no, i got to keep going with this. Secondly, take a break because you can't trust your feelings. Don't speak to clients. Don't speak to anyone when you're in that space. So it's new tactics, new rules, but it's about you. It's about me. It's about the independent individual now. That's where the new normal is leading us. Take, we really need to take care of ourselves. Thank you so much for sharing. 
Now, how can people find you and connect with you? They can find me at my website at susannagalan.com, S-U-Z-A-N-N-A-H-G-A-L-L-A-N-D.com. I could say Z, though, because you guys understand that, right? As you said, <laughs> A-N-N-A-H. And then in Susanna Galan, Susanna Galan with Instagram and Facebook. It's Susanna Galan Facebook. And they can email me. Um, any questions or be happy to speak to them. I'm more than happy to answer questions or if they they want to, there's something we talked about even, and they want more insight, uh, please reach out. I mean, I'm passionate about this and I think I'm constantly creating new ideas. So there'll be great insights to share no matter what. Well, thank you so much. And if you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I have, be sure to join the Facebook group, The Joyful Frugalista, and connect with other frugalistas who have a passion for saving and investing. Thank you. You too. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to The Joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird. And of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley. Stop.